Welcome to Mama Talk Talks, A Different Take, a podcast where everyday people around the globe share a different take on everyday issues. I'm your host, Abi Mambo, and I'm pleased you're joining us today. Welcome. Nicole, one of the things that I want to make sure we ground the listeners on are these different terms that we use when we talk about spirituality in this context. So even just the definition of spirituality, yoga, and meditation, what do those terms mean to you? Yoga is not a physical practice, but it doesn't mean union. It actually has a deeper meaning, which is that of self-realization. So yoga is the science of self-realization. That is one of its many meanings. It's also known as a moksha shastra, which means it is a study of liberation. And we liberate the self and we liberate the mind by coming to know who we are. And so yoga is a state of consciousness. And within yoga, there are eight limbs of yoga, which are called ashtanga. And this is one of the teachings. There are various teachings. And under the eight limbs, one of those limbs is meditation. And so in some of the Sanskrit traditional definitions, meditation is yoga and yoga is meditation. It is a deeper state of meditation. So in that, both are states of consciousness. Meditation is a state of rest in the mind where we come to actually understand with more clarity who we are. And it is a state of consciousness. And as we deepen that state of meditation, we move into something called samadhi, which is known as yoga, a state of consciousness where the mind is in union, the mind, the body, spirit, and emotions are unified. And then when we talk about spirituality, spirituality, I feel, is a very grounded way of walking on the earth. And that means that when we come to understand who we are, that we live that expression of who we are very deeply. And I often liken this to a sense of being rather than a sense of doing. Mm. Uh, So often we think of like, what is my purpose? Why am I here? But in essence, it's human being, not human doing. And I, I like to share that with also the experience of the sun being in the sky and shining and creating so much life and light and fertilization of the earth. And all it is doing is being itself. It is in its own nature. And in that way, Yoga is about realizing who we are as the sun is as it is. And meditation is about coming to the state of consciousness in the mind where we are free and liberated to be who we are authentically. We know our nature. As well as spirituality is about, again, returning to the self ultimately. So all three are so deeply interconnected and very similar in the sense of how we live our practice of yoga, meditation, and spirituality. I really like how you talk about a state of being as opposed to a state of doing and the concept of a human being and the sun just being in its nature. I guess the reflection for me on that is by the time that we are born, we're already so socially conditioned by what goes on in our mother's womb. And then we come out into the world. And from the time that we come out, our environment is already kind of shaping us. So by the time we get to a point where we're finding our path or finding our being, so to speak, it's been so informed by so many things outside of us that how do we know who we are? 
so that we can get to the point of being, right? If I think about it myopically, looking at the sun, if you can look at the sun, and the sun is being because I'm assuming there's nothing influencing the sun, so it can just be. But with human beings, from the time we're conceived, there are things that are shaping us. So how do you even start that journey of finding out what that being is so that you can live your life consistent with it? There are a couple things we can do. One thing that I think is really a beautiful observation is to look at young children, age one, age two, and how they're existing and how they are observing and how they are interacting with life and how there is wonder and there is joy and there is resilience and how they respond to life and interact with it and how there's less judgment. And all of these things are really freeing. And it's a great example to see how that is every seed pretty much of who we are. And we can observe this in so many children. I would say that the beginning of coming back to who we are is really a process of letting go and a process and an experience of observation. And so that means that when we look at the rain, we observe the rain, but we don't name the rain. We just look at it and we listen to it. We experience the sense of the rain, maybe as we did for the first time, that we approach life with a beginner's mind. And each time we meet someone, again, knowing that they are who they are only in this moment and we are who we are only in this moment, that we are ever-changing and we are free to do so and to exist and to coexist in this way that no cloud is ever the same, no rainfall is ever the same. No human is ever the same. And it's really about our perception and just bringing our awareness to the present moment. And if we're able to do that with observation, without judgment, then we are able to naturally be present to what is always. And in that way, the mind doesn't attach to ideologies and conditionings or Mm. emotions the namings of things Mm. and they're able to live more presently in life with less conditioning and restriction. I hear that and I hear that often. It feels like a tall order because yes, children, and I've done this exercise, right? I think my son is quite candid. Some of the things that he says, you ask him a question, he'll just answer it, right? There's no sugar coating. There isn't a kind of, okay, how's it going to land on them so that I can make it softer? There's none of that. And as an adult, actually, we're encouraged not to be like that, to take other people's feelings into account, to take social dynamics into account. So when you're landing something, you're landing it in a place, in a way that is people can receive it, right? We're never just communicating to communicate. We're also thinking about our listeners and how what we're telling them is landing on them. And so in that way, it can't just be the rain, right? You have to, I'm thinking through this as I'm saying it to you, because we're trying to balance a lot of things. It's, I want to be authentic and honest and say it as it is. But there's somebody on the other end of that piece of information that's receiving it, right? And you and I know Most of what you say is not what you say, it's how you say it. And so how could we Mm. not be conditioned, right? How could we not be sensitized to what we're saying and how we're communicating? And how does that then match up with our state of being? Because my state of being could be very direct, but 
if people are not receiving it, I'm going to have to tweak that. And if I tweak that, am I getting away from who I am? I think when we are in our state of being, we are more receptive. And that means that we're receptive to what is happening around us. Therefore, we, not that we shift ourselves, but we have an understanding of, it's almost like a deep listening. And so when we can really listen one another and cultivate the listening in terms of, well, what is this person asking for? Or what is the best way to approach this, this moment? Again, by being completely present to that moment and trusting that and being authentic within ourselves by being present. As I said, we're never the same way in each moment. So if we are present to that, then we can tune into what is the receiving part mm -hmm. of what does that individual need? What is the right food? What is the right medicine? What is the right word? Because the word can be the medicine. And the how with the word is the medicine. And so in this way, when we are deeply present, then we have that knowing. We cultivate the knowing to be able to share in the right way and to also be present to listening. Sometimes even not even responding is a way of allowing that other person to empty whatever they need to say and just listening to them, yeah. you know? Yeah, And so it's knowing also when to say something and when not to say anything at all. <laughs> yeah, know? that is hard, right? Uh, I was having a guest, actually, from one of the episodes. We're talking about in the corporate environment, for example, and even in classrooms, we reward the talkers. We don't usually reward the quiet ones are the ones who are actually listening. And so we've, I find that we've become a part of a world that is quite talkative in that sense. And listening just doesn't seem as valued. When we talk about yoga and meditation in particular, a huge part of it is just listening. And I remember when I started my practice, I had many false starts. But then in 2015, in 2013, it landed. And I remember just sitting there. 10 minutes and trying to stop myself from thinking or from talking, right? Because it's not just talking like I'm talking to you, but it's also talking in your head. We're so good at talking that listening is so hard, Nicole. So what would you say to people who do want to start a meditation practice or yoga practice and are finding that it's just so hard to sit still for five minutes, 10 minutes and just listen? And a very practical question that I get when I just pull about meditation is, what am I listening to or for? Or how will I know, right, that my mind has kind of quieted? Yeah, it's, that's a beautiful question. I think it's also about acknowledging that meditation is really about showing up for yourself to be present in the moment with everything as it is. And so that means that if that day I come to sit with myself and just invite myself to be in my own space and to be present with myself for five minutes, open to whatever is happening, that means I'm looking at, I'm looking outside or I'm looking at the wind or I'm noticing the children on their bikes and the sound moves through me when, as they move by or laughter of children, that I am suddenly becoming a receptor. I'm suddenly no longer even there. It's as though I disappear and become part of everything else, like a mm. slow motion. In that way, we are entering meditation. 
So it is not something that we need to do, and it's not something we need to practice. It is just showing up and being present and noticing. So often with students that I will say, let's say, for example, we do a candle meditation. I will say, instead of meditating on the candle or the flame, look at the flame, notice it. And you have a dialogue. It's not a monologue where there's me and there's the world. Suddenly, the listening is the dialogue. The, the noticing is the dialogue. The, everything becomes this symphony. And I am a part of it, but yet I disappear entirely. And so this is the beauty of the practice that even if we're coming to our mat, let's say to do a yoga asana practice, if I connect with my breath and I'm present to it, and present to what is my body in that moment, and I begin to move, my mind becomes free because I'm just noticing. I'm just experiencing myself. I'm just feeling the pain or feeling the not pain or feeling the emotion and then letting it go. I'm noticing the thought and then I'm letting it go. I'm coming back to the breath. And so the breath is a great modulator for people to and an anchor to connect back with whenever the mind wanders. So coming back to the breath is a way for us to merge the mind and the body. Mm -hmm. So that is one helpful tip to just simply come back to the breath. But even more so, it's just about understanding and coming to the practice of being, again, present with ourselves and just showing up and that everything else that arrives is the meditation yeah. in this way. That's really fascinating. You said a number of things that stood out to me. One of them is meditation is really about showing up for yourself with everything as it is. So that harkens back to your point earlier about no judgment, just seeing things the way you see them and just not ascribing meaning to them. And the other thing you said that was just so beautiful, you talked about just listening to the wind and listening to children laughing is the sound moves through me. And that whole sense of connectedness, I got to tell you, I thought it was kind of weird when I first tried it, right? Weird because I felt really connected. When I stopped, paused, and just said, let me take this in without judgment, without an end goal, because I'm the kind of person, I need to see an end goal, and then I know what I'm working towards. But in this case, with yoga and meditation, a lot of it is just being in the moment, which can be really hard, right? Just, what do you mean I need to be in the present? I have a past, I have a future. I need to be looking at the past to plan for the present, the present to plan for the future. So this whole idea of just being in the moment is really challenging for somebody like me. And then I think about the period we're living in right now right, with the coronavirus and so many people being under lockdown. And a lot of us have been forced to be still, right? In your house, 24-7 stillness. And the world has gotten so much quieter. And so in that spirit, I'm thinking, okay, this is a good time for us to get connected. Nicole, talk to me a little bit about where you are personally and where your students or others you've observed, what this whole time of quieting down for most people, what that has meant to you or what that feels like and how it is that we can actually use this time to start a meditation practice or yoga practice for those who are interested. 
Yeah, I think personally for me, what I've noticed is that it has really just allowed a lot of space. So in my life, you know, being an entrepreneur and, you know, often I work from home when I'm not teaching. And so really in terms of the rhythm of things, what I've noticed is that a lot hasn't really changed in my world because of that, that, and there's been an ease and some space there for me, which is great for my own practice and to come back to myself after, and to becoming more receptive in a way, rather than having teaching, which is a lot of energy that's going out. So it's been a time of rest and a time of new things, creation, a lot of creative ideas that have come up and Mm. a lot more space and a lot more connection and a lot more authenticity in the sense of like, in the quietness is when we rise is when we feel who we are. In many ways, we have the space. Certainly, though, I know that people are going through many different experiences. There is fear, there's anxiety, there's panic, there's stress. And this is where I feel that the strength of the mind and the strength of clarity is very important because one of the big teachings I would say, looking from the inside out and the outside in, is that we really have been given the opportunity to have deeper realizations about what our life means to us, what our family means to us, the time we have together, we spend our time. And that uh, our time on earth isn't infinite. Anything can happen in any moment. And I think that oftentimes that's a wake-up call for people to really decide how they want to use their time here while we're all here um, and what is important, what our priorities are. And it's an important time to note that because in these times of crisis or change or transformation, we get to really understand deeper aspects of who we are if we're paying attention. And in adversity, we understand our true character in many ways, not in judgment, but if there is fear there, that it's an opportunity to let it wash up and to see what that fear is and how we want to to work through it if we have the time and space and capacity to do so. Because for some people, many things are very real for them on the forefront of their jobs and of their daily life and food that's available to them. And taking care of others and caregiving. They might be a frontline worker and they're dealing with stress of taking care of other people and seeing that they're healthy and well and also themselves and their family. So there's many things happening. But I think one of the things that's really important is to at least take the space or to get the right support that we need, number one, depending on what's happening in our lives, and to also take care of ourselves and each other. And so knowing whether or not we need that support, asking for that support in this time is really important to be properly cared for, whether it's mental health or if we need help with food or whatever it might be for that person, Yeah, that it's really important to take care of those things. Yeah. I know not everyone's supported in the same way. So, but to also really, I think when we were talking earlier about past and present, this really pushes us into the moment yes. and, and makes us realize what is happening right now and how I have to cope and deal with what is happening right now in front of me. That is one of those things where for a number of people, some of them in my circle, we've talked about, about this and just being in the moment can be such a big thing because 
I think many people, I might be generalizing and it's just me, but I think many people are planning, right? We plan all kinds of things. We plan for the future, for retirement, for children to go to college. We plan our trips. We have bucket lists. We have all these things that are very future-oriented, right? And in the present moment, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in August, right? If you had asked me in January, I could have told you, I'm planning to be here, I'm planning to be there. And at the back of my mind, somewhere far, far there, I always know maybe August won't happen because I may not be here. But actually, we don't think about that on a daily basis, right? There isn't an urgency to living life because we forget that nothing is promised. And maybe we don't forget, maybe it's our defense mechanism, right? Which is, I don't have to think about that because it's inevitable, so I should just park it. But now, it's very real. If I think about August, I say, well... I have this trip planned. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. And every day there's a new restriction that comes in or that gets lifted. Or we're living in a time of so much change that we're almost forced to just be in the present because you can't plan for the future, right? And that has been a big lesson for me. But anyway, you've been doing this for over 20 years, the teaching and all that. How did you get into it? And I want to talk about your background because... We're going to go into just practical steps around starting a meditation practice and a yoga practice, but I think it's important for people to understand how you got into it and why. It's interesting because I think being born into a family who practices yoga, practices Ayurveda, practices meditation, it's always been around me. So growing up, it was always part of my culture. But certainly at a time where when something is part of our culture, we don't always appreciate it as much as we do when it sometimes when we're older. And so as children, we take it for granted. And it's something that I definitely took for granted. But during a time when I started really questioning deeply who I was, I was about 21 at the time. I just finished university and always wanted to be living my dream, which was at that time in the world of arts and media. And having come to that very quickly was a blessing because I realized that it was actually, there was this glass ceiling and that there would always be something to do next and another goal. And I knew intuitively that it wasn't going to be it wasn't going to be fulfilling in the end. And I, I wanted to live a life that was fulfilling and that I felt had meaning to me mm-hmm. and me for some people, meaning might not be as important to them, but for me at that moment, meaning was very important and to make a contribution. And I really felt like I'm not giving back. I'm not making a contribution. I'm not growing. And so I really felt like I needed to make a big change. Mm-hmm. And, and so I did things aligned so that I actually, the company I was working for was bought out and I got a very small, tiny package, but enough <laughs> to be able to like go travel for a short period of time. Yeah. And that's when I decided, I was like, you know, I'm going to go to India. I'm going to go connect with my roots. And, you know, India actually didn't give me the answers I was looking for. You know, I've come to know that we can only really get that in silence and stillness and being with ourselves. And we can look out for a long period and we can travel the whole world, but it's really about coming home and to ourselves. 
like something happened and I felt like I had a little bit of an awakening in India to return to my roots. And I always feel that in our lineage, in our ancestries, in our friendships, in our family, whatever that means for us, it doesn't matter what family we were born into, but more about what resonates with us in this lifetime, we can find our truth. And so from there, I embarked on practicing and studying professionally Ayurveda, yoga and yoga therapy. And the teachers that I was looking for came to me. They were phenomenal doctors and therapists from India. And I had a chance to study with them one-on-one, which was a huge blessing. And that's how I began. And I began because I was searching. I began because I had a question about the who am I question and what am I here to do? (laughs) And that was the driving force. And knowing that I wanted to give back and to grow while I was giving back to help other people was really the motivator. And that's how I got into it. At the time, I really thought it was more just for me. I never thought it was going to become a business and a platform. Yeah. But it happened. It just happened on its own. It happened naturally. The part where you talk about you can travel the world, but ultimately what you're seeking is within you. The number of movies, coming of age stories that involve a journey, a trip, I think is instructive because that's where a lot of us get this idea that you have to go somewhere. And I think there's truth to it, but not in the way that a lot of us think, right? It's not that place that you're going that necessarily gives you that. It's who you become on the journey there and the journey back. And all of that is actually happening inside of you, right? Because the people you meet, the places you go, there's an engagement between your spirit and that place. That's really where you blossom. It's not that I'm going to go to the Taj Mahal and suddenly something will change me. But I like that you touch on that because there's so much that's been made about when you're in a tough part of your life, you travel and then all of a sudden your problems are fixed. And for people who can't afford it, I think it's just important to highlight that, no, it's not the place. It's not the place. It doesn't matter if you go next door to grandma's or you go halfway across the world. It's that inner journey that makes the difference. So, so thank you for highlighting that. What are some of the lessons you've learned over the years about having a yoga or meditation practice? So some of the things you were saying, you talk about quietness, you talk about stillness. It sounds very boring on some level, right? Uh, just, you know, giving it yeah. 100%. So if you're a more active person, you want more, we're very accustomed to a lot of noise. How do you start to meditate, right? Because we are accustomed, many of us, to just noise and activity. And so anything that sounds like quiet and stillness sounds very counter to what we're used to. So how do we get to that place? How do you get a loud world quieter? How do you get us to talk less and listen more? And in listening more, actually hear more and hear our own voices in the cacophony of sound that's constantly around us. I think it's interesting that we're living in a time where there's a lot of distraction. And the reason I say that it's like things are speeding up more and more and more. You know, we're driving faster cars, we have faster internet, we have everything that's moving very quickly. 
what we're seeing is that as things move more quickly, the mind is becoming more disturbed in many ways, that there are, there's more road rage, there's more conflict, there's less inner community and less inner ecology that is connected to rest and space. And so there's this relationship that's happening. We're also, we're moving at such a fast pace that we're affecting the environment. We're affecting pollution. We're affecting how much we're consuming. And so the reason why I just want to highlight this as part of the answer is to see what is productive and what is efficient in terms of our thought processes and our experiences in life and how that is affecting Is it an intelligence that is affecting the world in a way that is healthy and balanced or has our way of being affected the world in a way that is, has created more disharmony? That's a very important piece to observe. Mm -hmm. And so having that inner observation, I think is part of what helps us to change because I can tell someone till I'm blue in the face, all you need to do is sit, all you need to do is breathe. But if we liken ourselves to a certain habit or character, then, and we want to practice the habits of being busy, then the only thing that will make someone unfurl or uh, take that thread to unweave the cloth of being busy is to understand how directly it's impacting their life Mm. and whether or not they want to make the change, whether or not they want to sit and be with themselves. Because the distraction ultimately doesn't allow us to feel quite often what we're feeling, to process our emotions, to process our experiences, to process the breakup that we had, to process all the things that we leave to the end or we just keep pushing down. And then what ends up happening in Ayurveda and meditation and yoga is that all of the things that we are suppressing will come out in the body and have body speak, whether it be through our health or making us rest, having to lie down and take a break. Or do we take a conscious thought and take a moment? And when we vacation, really vacation and leave our phone where it needs to be and be with our family, be with ourselves. Like so many things are tied together here. And I think one of the things is to understand how we've created our lives and how our mind, our thinking mind has created our habits, which has created our personality. Our habits are our personality. And so if we change our habits, if we change the way that we're thinking, we can not only just change the way that we interact with the world through the personality, but we can also change the world itself. Every person matters. Every action matters. And so this is why it's important for a person to find for themselves. What is it that matters to them to make that choice? And it doesn't have to be a meditation where you're sitting. It can be that you're jogging and that in that moment you're with yourself. It could be that you're painting. It could be that you're doing bow and arrow, martial arts, whatever your practice is, becomes your meditation, becomes your way of connecting. And so it doesn't, for a person who is really active, you know, playing soccer, a soccer pro is in meditation when they are on that field and you can see it. And the beauty of meditation in that, when we are passionate about what we do, is that it teaches us everything about life. It gives us a focus um, to understand more about ourselves and discipline in the way that sitting for someone is a discipline. It's a practice, but it might be hard. So instead of the sitting and the practicing, we can make our meditation moving Mm. and, and in alignment with 
whatever we choose, that one pointed focus, will we will arrive at the destination of ourselves. We'll know more about who we are. It will test us. We'll come into stages of adversity. We will feel the pain. And we'll have the motivation to move through life and move through the pain and move through whatever the obstacles are on the way to getting the goal. And meditation is not goal-oriented. It's effortless. But it is an example of whatever our greatness is, however we want to come back to that. We can choose. We can choose the medium and we can choose the focus and the clarity. And that's really what it's about. And then we will have, with focus and clarity comes expansion. So first, when we meditate, we focus on something. We focus on a sound or a word or music or the breath. But that is not meditation itself. Meditation comes from the experience of the focus. The one-pointed focus expands. And that's when we're in meditation. We're not doing anything. The only thing we can practice is focus and concentration. And those are tools to move into meditation. And in the same way, if my focus is playing the violin every day, if it's going to the soccer field, if it's whatever it is for me, it will arrive into the meditation because it's the same practice. It's a focus, Mm. it's concentration, and then there's expansion. And that is ultimately a beautiful creation. So that's what I would say is like, know your medicine, know what your meditation is as a medicine. So many nuggets in there, so many nuggets. I'm just going to repeat them for the audience because I think when we have guests come in and talk to us I always view it as a learning opportunity so I'll just list a few things I got out of the last several minutes one is just around speed and the fact that speed is numbing and in that one I literally just wrote it down and said in quotes speed is numbing not that speed itself is numbing but the, the idea that we numb things especially our feelings when we're speeding through them we don't sit down and just engage what we're feeling or what we're experiencing at any given time we're moving through things we're getting to the next step often not having dealt with what we experience so in that sense speed is numbing okay that won't go on my wall somewhere you talked about and this was such an eye-opener for me the fact that there are physical manifestations of emotion you know for most of my life, right, I just never connected emotions and physical ailments. And in the last maybe three to five years, I've become much more conscious of that. Partly because I've been reading a lot about it, partly because I've met people like you along my journey who've been able to say, okay, what's happening with this part of your body? And say, okay, what are you actually dealing with on an emotional level? You need to check those two things. And I just never thought about it, about the fact that, you know, if you hold emotion and not express it, your body will speak for you because we are, as beings, interconnected on the physical, spiritual, and emotional level. So if your mouth doesn't speak it out, your body will. That anger that you're not expressing, that hurt you're not expressing will show up somewhere on your body. And that part has been really interesting for me to watch to learn and then to finally say, okay, let me just buy into this and see whether that changes things. And it has, it really has. So that's an interesting one. And then something else you talked about was just picking your medicine and then sitting through it. I've been in a number of meditation or yoga practices where we're asked to sit in a certain position 
and they always say you feel a little bit of pain don't move just sit through it and it's been amazing how in sitting through it it passes our bodies have a way of just adjusting themselves to what's around us but if i'm spinning through things and i get out of it then i never know how to engage that problem right or go through that pain so for me that has been really instructive i'm glad you mentioned that the big takeaway for for me the last thing you said which i think is so important for all our listeners to hear is meditation isn't one thing because i think a lot of people are put off by the idea of sitting in a quiet room with your incense on or your candles or whatever and your hum right for 10 or 15 minutes that just doesn't resonate for them so the idea that you can meditate in whatever you do and it's really a question of are you dialed into self whether you're playing soccer are you present in that moment on that soccer field committed 100% to what you're doing that that in itself is meditation that last part in particular i really really like it because i think it demystifies meditation but it also gives people who've otherwise had that barrier an opportunity to redefine what it means for them and to start a meditation practice in a context that works for them. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so did I do justice to capturing some of the things you said? Yeah, absolutely, and it's beautiful to hear it back too. Yeah, I think that the one piece also that I'd like to just reiterate is that it's really that whatever we are focusing on, it's that naturally becomes a meditation in itself. Mm-hmm. So it's again that we're we're not doing it's just we're, the doing part becomes the being. Eventually it's like the dancer becomes the dance. They're not separate from one another and yet when the dancer stops dancing the dance disappears and yeah. the dancer is there. So we don't see it. We see it only when that interaction is taking place and that's that's the spirit. That is the motivation. That is the power of who we are that arises. And in that way it's like when we're playing soccer like one moment we're standing still we're one person the next minute we're on the field and we're experiencing this connection and so it's like again that dialogue between things that are happening and how we're engaging with that dialogue that I think becomes a practice of life that can deeply lead us into into a meditative state or even a more conscious way of living ultimately I feel like you've answered this to some extent throughout as we've been talking about I'll ask anyway what are some of the benefits of meditation to people who are hearing about this maybe for the first time what what are the benefits to meditation or to meditating yeah i would say deep rest and relaxation we don't rest the mind the mind is always working even when we're sleeping we know the mind is active it's monitoring the body and so it gives the mind an opportunity to create space and to create rest and relaxation which scientifically we see that it activates the autonomic nervous system the vagus nerve which puts us into a resting state so it draws upon a what we call a relaxation response so that's what's one piece but i think that we know our meditation is working by the quality of our life that the great advantage is that when we're focused and we're clear and we're present and we're giving 100% and we have the resilience and rest in the body the body repairs itself we come to know deep aspects that of blockage that might be happening in emotion that we can relate to we might come to have awareness in a relationship where we thought maybe something was happening but we have a different perspective on that and we can we can connect with that individual in a deeper way 
with less, with more compassion and more mm. observation, that we can create more peace in the world because we have greater peace in ourselves. And that ultimately, when we relate in the world in this way, that we can change the whole landscape of the way we perceive life. And we have more peace, peace of mind, and that we cannot buy peace of mind. Yeah. So yeah. I think that that is a very important piece. And yeah, quality of life, quality of life, and knowing that also from meditating and in being present, we become less reactive. We are responsive, but we don't react. Our emotions don't have a chain around us anymore, where the emotions tie the mind and the mind goes to where the emotion is. Instead, the mind gets to watch the emotion and decide whether or not it's going to respond. Mm. And what does that emotion mean? Again, if we feel sensation in the body or if we feel emotion as a sensation and don't name it and don't add meaning to it for a moment and watch it, then we can observe that, as you're saying, that pain or that sensation will move. It will move through us. And so it's about liberating. Even the pain wants to be liberated. And so in this way, we're liberating everything that comes through us. And quality of life is so important. So I think that when we're liberating all of these experiences, that we don't, our past and our future aren't one. If we are able to liberate the past, then we are liberating ourselves in the present, which means we're no longer creating a future that's based on a past memory and emotion we're not tied to that anymore because we can observe it as it was, mm. maybe as we saw it, but not just through the lens of who we were at that time, perhaps through a different perception. Because if we don't do that, we will be creating the same future over oh, and over, over again. Huh. Yeah. So this, this liberates yeah. us. And that is that our past suffering can be liberated because if we're only looking at the suffering of the past and we're viewing it from the perspective that we had in the past, we can recreate that in the future. Suffering generally, unless we are really suffering in the moment, is in the future and is in the past. Anxiety is in the future and the pain and depression can be in the past. So in this way, if we're staying centered, non-reactive, but responsive, response-able, responsible for our feelings and what we're seeing and experiencing, then we can live in a way, we can create a new mythic map. We can live in a way that we don't have to just source from our past anymore because we're seeing the emotion as it is. We're not attaching. And so meditation allows us to not attach to our experiences, to observe them, and they're valid. Every experience we have is absolutely valid. But it's almost like becoming that child who cries the moment that they lose their toy and they cry totally and completely and empty. And then they're happy again because mm. they went through the process of letting go the grief and the loss. And that's what we're avoiding. You know, ultimately, at the end of the day, with everything getting faster and faster and faster, we are becoming addicted to our mindset. We are coming, becoming addicted to thought processes. We are addicted to the way our mind is thinking. We're addicted to things becoming faster and faster. And within that addiction, we are losing the sense of, in many ways, our reality, but also the pace of our reality and the, the pace of our thoughts. We're addicted to our thoughts. And we can never see them clearly. We can never if we keep reaching for our phone and everything else outside of us and every goal, one goal after yeah. the other is an addiction, yeah. we will 
will we be at the end? You know, we have to, COVID is giving us in some ways an opportunity to realize, as I had said before, that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen to us. We don't know what's going to happen to our loved ones. What is really important right now? And how can we focus and be clear on that and have that as a takeaway, as a means to change our lifestyle and the pace of it and all the consumption? It's not that consumption is bad. It's okay to have things, to do things, to be things, to set goals. But it's also okay to know that perhaps we have an expectation in this moment, but it just means that if we have a relationship with the expectation where we can let it go and know that we might not go on that trip, yes. we might, yes. whatever happens, that we are still here, we're still present, we're still clear of mind, we're still rooted in ourselves, we're anchored with the breath, then everything is going to be okay. And I think that's the important piece, that in this now, in this moment, which is the only moment we have, we don't have the future, we don't have the past, we can set goals for the future. We can have expectations as long as we know that we are flexible, yep. as long as we're rigid, then perhaps we can be more free. Um, so in that way, living in the present moment doesn't mean that we don't plan for taking our children to school or picking them up or the real world things we have to deal with. But it is simultaneously understanding that my anchor point is within me. It is a core part of who I am. And from that place of receptivity and knowing, I will create. And when we create from this place, it is not an effort. It's like so many things happen in order for a wave to arise out of the ocean. Mm. But in ways that is a receptivity, the moon is governing the water and the ocean. We know that it's pulling upon the tide. And so in this way, the moon is also very receptive energy. We've moved away from this receptivity. But yet, if we were efforting to build a boat and go into this ocean and this massive tidal wave comes from that receptivity, the echo and power of that receptivity and the creation from it is far greater than any efforting of putting that boat together ever will be. And so we have to have this, this there's this masculine and feminine kind of like energy, not male and female, but masculine and feminine, yeah. masculine meaning efforting and receptivity meaning the power of the creative force within us. And so coming back to that creative force and that receptivity is where everything is. If we reside there and then create from our being, then there's so much more power in that. And there's less to do because that one wave has the magnitude of so much power. And yeah. so it's like, there's not so much to do. It's just sitting in our being and being responsible, responding in the way that we need to respond and living a life that is coming from that deep power. And in that way, we are in alignment with ourselves and we are receptive to others and we are living in this flow. And so I think that that's a big reminder of what's happening right now yeah. and yeah. a big reminder of how we can live in the world post-COVID. I think if I say anything beyond that, I would ruin what is an excellent closing, actually, that was such an amazing just reflection on yoga, meditation, and the times we're in. So, Nicole, thank you so much for spending the time with us. And before we go, where can people find information about you, your business, and yoga, yoga or meditation practice in general? 
I would say the best way to reach us is to visit our website, which is jaiwellness.com. And everything is on there, everything that we offer. And there's more information about me, but mainly I will lead meditations and talks and ways um, that people can really reconnect with themselves that are very tangible, like we talked about today. That's the best way to reach me. And certainly, I would also like to share that in this time, if there's anything that we can do, it's always to remember just to make some time and space and to come back to the breath with the self or whatever, just to make the space. It's always accessible to us. And yeah, and I think that's the greatest gift that the greatest resources are within us. It's just about tapping back into that. Thank you so much. And there are things that we haven't covered, which I would love for you to come back and cover. One of them is just breath. And the fact that it is so central to yoga, it is so central to meditation. And not accidentally, it is central to life. You stop breathing, you die. And just that interconnection between those two things, I definitely want to talk about that the next time you're on the show. Nicole, thank you so much. I know it's late in Canada, and I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. People can't see you. You have this big, lovely smile on your face. Um, (laughs) And it's 11 o'clock your time. So thank you so much. And please come back to visit us at Nomad Talk Talk. I will. And thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you for the work that you do, especially in a time like this. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed our latest episode. Share your thoughts in the comments below or by emailing ab at mamatalktalk.com. Continue the conversation in your homes and communities. And when you join us next week, please invite a friend or many. For more diverse perspectives on everyday issues from everyday people around the globe, please subscribe to our podcast at mamatalktalk.com forward slash a different tape. And join our online family by following us on Twitter and Instagram. Until we meet again, I'm your host, Abi Mambo. Sigashina, stay well. <laughs>